This is Cindy Hawkins Legoretta, and this is Telescope of Memory, coming to you from the Sky Cave by way of Anchor FM. And this is Finesse, Part 2. She knelt above Carlo, deftly slid the condom in place, and sank down on his stiffness. He gasped. Diana asked, Good? Squisito, he smiled. They moved in easy rhythm together for a few minutes. He watched her face. You like me, I think. He rolled over, now on top. Tell me what excites you. Forget about it. It's not part of the deal. I want your pleasure, too. Jesus, you're so Italian. He laughed softly. Is it such a terrible thing? No, but you paid to have me come here and please you. It's not supposed to be the other way. Do you notice, Diana, we are no longer making love. We are chatting like close friends. Not what I expected, but wonderful. She propped on one elbow. The tumbled sheets gave Diana the look of a naughty child who refuses to nap. She felt Carlo slip out of her. He's gone, she moaned. Poor baby left town. He will be back. He's a stubborn fellow. They were quiet for a long time. She drifted. He placed his body behind her. Carlo and Diana were skin to skin. His soft penis tenderly nestled the small of her back. It's lovely here, your bedroom. Thank you. I'm glad you're comfortable. As they talked, his fingers wandered across her breasts. The flat of his palm brushed her nipples, pink knots of arousal. Diana began to shiver. She could not be still. Her desire rose in sharp, hot waves. She turned her face to his, offered her mouth. Carlo kissed her feverishly. He was no longer soft. Later, Diana stretched serenely. She giggled. Does this mean we're going steady? I hope so. I also hope it means you will call me. Carlo got out of bed and walked to the bureau. He fished around in a pile of papers, returned and handed her a card. She read it, gave a low whistle. (whistles) Impressive. What are all the letters? I mean, isn't your name long enough already? They're degrees, they're titles from Italy. I feel inadequate. I'm just plain Diana Louise Matthews. There's nothing plain about you, Diana Luisa Matteo. It's a song. Well, I'm a short song and you're a concerto. He grabbed her, held her close. Diana Luisa, Diana Luisa Mia, he crooned, burying his nose in her neck and growled playfully. Diana suddenly looked at her watch. She was reluctant to leave. Is it all right if I take a shower? Of course. But I warn you, you'll want to stay in there forever. How come? My shameless bow to technology. A deviation from the old house. I built a custom shower. I copied one I saw in Tokyo several years ago. It is, what did my daughter Paulina call it? A religious experience. (laughs) This I have to see. She got up, went to the bathroom, and shut the door. Carlo waited to hear water running. Soon, the shower was full on. He fell on the bed, took a thin cigar from the box on the table. He lit it, settled against the goose-down pillows. He counted, uno, due, tre. Suddenly, Diana's cry rang from the bathroom. Oh, God! Oh, my God! A religious experience. Gleefully. Carlo blew a smoke ring. Two weeks had passed. 
Diana spent more time with Carlo, less at sotto voce. As for Denise, she was understanding and said nothing. She just smiled knowingly. Come in by the fire, he led Diana into the living room. He was wearing a black pullover, slim-cut dark slacks, and ragged sandals. Again, the wrong shoes. The rain had wet her hair. Carlo saw her damp curl, said, I'll get a towel and some brandy. Diana slowly took off her boots, lay her coat open across a chair so the fire could dry it. She looked around. A quiet kind of opulence filled the room. There were books lining the walls, magazines in Italian and English, a magnificent beveled glass coffee table that probably weighed a ton, lush potted plants, a massive aquarium in which bug-eyed goldfish blinked, swimming lazily. It stood at an angle with the corner. She could see dark wood ceiling beams, a skylight, and an elaborate wire cage housing a pair of plump gray doves that cooed as she approached. Here we are, a drink to warm you and a towel to dry you. He took a soft afghan from the sofa, spread it on the rug. The logs were crackling. You did not get to see this last time. <laughs> we were busy upstairs, Diana smiled. Her glance took in everything. On an opposite wall were displayed the prized pieces of Carlo's collection. May I? she asked. Please. He had ivory Netsuke figurines done before cheap knockoffs flooded the market. She liked the brash, erotic ink sketches. French? She wondered. Picture postcards dating back to Victorian times, but one thing caught and held her attention. A square of silk in a rich, dark frame that set off its pale color. She was entranced. The embroidery was the most delicate Diana had ever seen. Carla was pleased by her interest. You have an eye for craftsmanship. Do you like it? They're so small. The stitches are responsible for blinding hundreds of seamstresses in old China. It is called the forbidden stitch. And it was outlawed by the emperor because it cost women their sight to do work that fine. Imagine. There was an awkward silence. Alora, your hair. She sat facing the fire, Carlo straddling her with his knees. He rubbed the towel over her head with firm strokes, humming a tuneless tune. When Carlo was done, he ran his fingers through her locks. Dominga has stocked the larder. Are you hungry? I'm famished. Who's Dominga? My Panamanian housekeeper. She comes three times a week and tidies up. She does laundry and always berates me for being sloppy. Carlo, the place looks great. She left an hour ago. Ah, I see. Carlo asked, Did you ever have a baked omelet? No, Diana answered. It sounds superb. They enjoyed a light lunch with eggs, tomato, mushroom, and seasoning. Carlo prepared a simple, delicious meal. She helped him load the dishwasher. They sat sipping their coffee, the fire's embers still glowing in the hearth. Now, 
Why are you at Sotto Voce? Why do you ask? I'm curious. I suspect this is a variation of nice girl. Nice girl? Your expression, you know. What's a nice girl like you? She laughed, finishing the sentence. Doing in a place like this? He grew serious. No, really, Diana, you are so obviously a misfit. Your lively ways, your intelligence, the UN Rose Garden. I couldn't stop thinking of you. He leaned over, touched her hand. And not just your beauty, Carla went on. And I never met anyone who belonged less in a bordello. She looked at him. But Carla, neither do you. Then he mused for a moment. There's only one thing for us to do. Yes? We shall be out of step with the world. Renegades, Carlo reached for her, together. Later, she sat on the end of Carlo's bed. A few years ago, Diana began, after a shitload of lousy jobs and guys, I asked myself, hmm, what if I sell it to men who want it? instead of giving it away to assholes who don't care. Understand? Absolutely. I checked a place that did outcalls only. That was too scary. Running around in strange hotels, going into places where I might never come out. I needed a little more home life, you know what I mean? So I went to work in an establishment. I'm what you call a house hoe. Ah, Carlo nodded. You stay put. The mountain comes to Muhammad. Right. The only outcalls I do... Their repeats. Old friends, eh? He lifted his glass. I'm flattered. Salute. Don't laugh. Carlo, this gig gives me everything I need. Steady cash. I come and go as I please. Denise lets me write my own schedule. I'm there whenever she calls. And no stupid guy with his feet on the sofa ever yells at me, Hey, bitch, where's my supper? The street was crowded, but Carlo's Borsellino made him easy to spot. Diana waved as she crossed the avenue to meet him. They had not seen each other for several days. His heart leaped at the sight of her. Then he said, I thought a walk might be fun. Be vertical, not horizontal. Diana was delighted to see Carlo blush. We can go this way, then east. She studied him in the sunlight as they walked. Carlo liked life. It was obvious. Shop windows, vendors, pavement conversations of passers-by. Everything came under his calm but curious gaze. She felt comfortable with Carlo as though she'd known him for years. It was wonderful and frightening. We'll be there soon, Carlo speeded up. Diana struggled to keep pace with his long stride. They rounded a corner. She could smell frying food, onions, and meat. Carlo closed his eyes and looked blissful. Madonna, what a feast for the nose! He stopped short. The hatchway door was open to the sidewalk, cement stairs leading down. He took Diana's hand, pulling her down after him. Carlo shouted, Don't anybody move! It's the pastrami police! You guinea bastard, is that you? From behind a stack of wood barrels stepped a short, chubby man with hairy arms wearing a white apron. Be careful your language, Sam. I brought a friend. Ah, sorry, miss. You guys hungry or slumming? He wiped his fingers on his apron. They walked to the back of the basement. 
Sam yanked open a door that led to the deli kitchen, surrounded by clouds of steam and extraordinary aromas. Four men in constant motion were cooking, the room alive with intense activity. Sam said, All right, lunch. Carlo turned to Diana. I shall have heartburn for three days, he laughed. Sam, make the pastrami thick. Let's get a table. The restaurant was noisy and packed with patrons. They slid into a back booth. I love this place, Carlo told her. Twenty-four hours, seven days a week, it's cozy. Diana looked around. They've got photos of famous people on the walls, he said offhandedly. I'm somewhere over there. Really? Diana's eyes widened. Oh, yes. My opera singer friends come here to gorge on fatty food. There's a picture. Carlo pointed to a wall near the coffee machine. Diana went to see. In the photo, wearing a tuxedo, his arm around another man, Sam, standing next to them, was Carlo. She turned, asking, Is that Franco Cotroni from the Metropolitan? It is, Carlo said. He's a dear friend. He's a remarkable tenor. But he has a weakness. What? Blintzes, Carlo chuckled. He cannot leave them alone. Just then, the silver kitchen doors flew open. Sam reappeared. On the tray was a huge plate of potato salad, a smaller one with pickles and relish, two monster-sized pastrami sandwiches sliced diagonally in half, and two bottles of cream soda. The busboy put down glasses of water. Sam stood at the table for a moment. Ah, cholesterol, Carlo breathed. Dig in, my darling. Sam regarded Carlo with jocular caution. I'd watch it, miss, if I was you. I'm convinced he's a vampire. They don't eat pastrami, Carlo said, his mouth stuffed with food. Enjoy your lunch, miss. Diana. Sam smiled. Call me if he wants a cup of blood or anything. <laughs> Funny guy, Diana said after he left. He likes you. Sam and I are old pals. He was one of the first people I met when I arrived here. How'd you meet him? Oh, God, this sandwich is unreal. Uh, they set a great table. Well, I hadn't been in the city long. I wandered in here looking for some real American deli food. Sam was a waiter back in those days. I fell in love with pastrami, potato salad, the full catastrophe. I paid my check. I wasn't very familiar with the money then. And then, Carlos smiled at the memory, I left him a $50 tip. He followed me out the door, grabbed my sleeve, and said, Hey, Mr. Moneybags, I appreciate it, but I don't think you meant to be so generous. A five is plenty enough. That moment we became instant friends. Now and again I overtip him just to see if he's paying attention. He's something. Sam never accepts what he feels is too much. Carlo continued, You have a hearty appetite. Oh, this is killer. I think we better walk home. That evening, he began tracing the line of her face. Diana closed her eyes, full of wonder at the shivers he was able to evoke. Carlo whispered, Tesorina mia. What a pretty word, tesorina. It means little treasure. Am I, Carlo? You are. I am falling in love with you. He felt like a teenaged boy, so happy, so jumpy. She got up moved away from him. Something has upset you. Carlo, please, it's not supposed to be like this. 
he replied. So you keep saying. Let me tell you something, darling. Life is full of not supposed to be's. When I was at university, I wanted desperately to be an artist. But the young lady in my life became pregnant. We had to marry. It was not supposed to be. Paulina was born frail, sickly, and premature. The doctors told us she would die for certain. She was not supposed to be, but she clung ferociously to her life. She is everything I could want in a daughter. And Krista, my ex-wife, while crossing a street in Rome, one she'd crossed a thousand times, the truck, out of nowhere, she died right there on the corner. It was not supposed to be. He turned his eyes to Diana. When I called Sotovoce, I was searching for what? A few hours diversion? Nothing like what I found when you came in and spoke of my shoes, my hat, and rose gardens. This, he motioned, is also not supposed to be. I, for one, am overjoyed. Diana, please think on what I have said. And while you're thinking, spend the night with me. Shafts of late afternoon sun came through the shutters onto the bed. They lay, making love. Carlo rocked steadily inside her. Diana was so aroused she could not think. She felt her body opening in a way it had never done before with any man. How did Carlo manage to wake her from this sleepwalk? His mouth moved over her skin, devouring, blessing, celebrating. He could not get enough of the taste the feel of Diana. If he were to die in that moment, he would have known every pleasure he'd hungered for since time of memory. Her orgasm began. She called out to him. He gripped her tighter. He rode the crest of her explosion, then lost himself in the scalding sensations he had nearly forgotten he could feel.